Here at the chamber, we love Natchitoches. Meat pies, steel magnolias, Christmas lights, they're all signature to our historic town. But you know what really makes Natchitoches special? The amazing people who choose to live and work right here. And that's who we're going to talk to. Every week on Chamber Chat, I'll give you the highlights of what's going on in town, and then we'll take a minute to chat with some of our favorite people. These are the folks who are actively working toward making Natchitoches a thriving community, and they've got some cool things to share with you. And who am I? I'm your host, Mags, the Chamber Event Coordinator at the Natchitoches Area Chamber of Commerce. Hey everyone, Mags here. So before we get started today, I just wanted to give a shout out to our newest members of the Chamber, the Mike Gallery, the Citizens of Democratic Action, and the Donut Hole of Natchitoches. And to anyone interested in participating in the inaugural Home and Garden Expo, the deadline to apply for vendors is February 12th. Booths are first come, first serve. So sign up today to become a vendor at NatchitoshesHomeAndGarden.com. Now, in this episode of Chamber Chat, I got to sit down with two of the coolest guys I know. We had a lot of fun, funny moments and a really good conversation. I hope you all enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed getting to be a part of it. And we're back to Chamber Chat. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know you were kicking it off like that. (laughs) So I've got Kay Gentry here and Justin Krause, and we are going to talk today about Cane River Brewing Co. and how we got everything started. Do you guys want to take a second to introduce yourselves real quick? Uh, I'm Justin Krause. Me and Kate have been friends uh, since childhood, went to college together, and we took a HMT class together and kind of started the whole idea of owning our own restaurant. Yeah, uh, started out with a restaurant and it just somehow gradually shifted to uh, producing beer. Now there's some local laws that, that, that made us decide to go that route, but uh, pretty happy we ended up going with something that where we can sell product not only while we're open, but also while we're not open versus mm-hmm. a restaurant where you have to be open, you know, literally 24 hours to make money right. all the time. Which is unique to town because y'all are the only brewery we have. So was that like a project that y'all did in HMT that y'all decided to start this conversation or was that just something y'all were interested in? Well, we were both in the restaurant business at the mm-hmm. time and that was just kind of our dream. So we had, I mean, the, the class was making everything from the menu to the business plan on down. So mm-hmm. we just knew when we graduated, we were both in the restaurant industry, service industry, that that's kind of the dream that we wanted to pursue was fulfilling that uh, project that we had started in school. But what made you start executing the plan to get to this point? I think one of the biggest things was is the the need that we saw being in the restaurant business when people would come in and they would ask for the local craft beer. And then there wasn't a local craft beer. You know, we would say a beta or, you know, something that, you know, was nationwide. Yeah, it was nationwide. Mm -hmm. Uh, There wasn't a whole lot of local breweries in the state at Mm -hmm. the time when we started planning this, you know, five, six years ago. Uh, so I guess just the kind of the tourist and the, the uh, demand for a local type cuisine and beer is kind of what started the process. Mm-hmm. So five or six years ago, you guys have this idea. Do you start thinking, okay, how do we make this happen? You got to talk to investors, I guess. And you gotta- yeah, create a business plan, mm-hmm. uh, talk to investors, 
uh, go to the banks, uh, figure out a location. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it all starts with actually making beer. Right. So first you have to learn how to make the beers. So okay. Justin and I went up to Siebel in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the second largest brewery school because you have to have a good product. So beer is the main, pro- main product here. So. so what was the first beer that you learned how to make? Probably... It was an ale. The uh, ale yeah, the, yeah. We made a blonde uh, right after. Yeah, we don't even have it on on tap, but we could mm-hmm. come out with it later date. But we made a, a blonde. We made so many there, uh, just trying to narrow down the beers that we like. I think we made at least thirty or forty right off mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. right off the get go. So did y'all choose the core four from those when you first started? Yep. Okay, cool. And how did y'all choose those? What was the process there? Like, did you just keep sipping them till you decided which one tasted the best or well we actually brought in like a panel of drinkers some craft beer drinkers some non-craft beer drinkers and we just kind of gauged you know it was like 20 or 30 people we'd bring in each time Mm -hmm. and we would kind of just we'd have a like three or four different variations of each beer like the pilsner for instance we probably made it four different variations of it and then we would you know put one two three and four and it would almost be like blind taste tests you mm-hmm. know uh out of a garage when we you yeah. know when we <laughs> first when we first did nice. this but that's kind of how we narrowed it down to less hops more hops this smoother you know add this type kind of deal so so when y'all started this business plan how did you choose the location because this is a really cool unique location this wasn't even in the probably the top five of the locations that we were even looking at Um, interesting the very first location believe it or not was actually across the street at lh johnson and that was the first building that we pursued and we weren't able to get uh them to sell or even make an offer or anything so there wasn't there was that ended really quick and then when Came, we knew we wanted to be in the downtown area close to the river, but we knew there was going to be laws, you know, the downtown, you know, the food uh, and alcohol, you, you have to have the percentages. We knew that that was going to be uh, trouble and just, you know, finding a sheer size, I guess, of a location. But the one location we really thought we were going to have was on, on Cane River, uh, south of town, south of uh, Walmart there. And... It was an old commissary building right right on the river and we were uh, getting it changed from uh, residential to commercial we went to planning and zoning at the parish council mm-hmm. and uh, it kind of just went uh, I guess a disarray or it just fell through I guess yeah, you know there was a lot of pushback yeah. you know the neighbors across the river uh, landowners around the area they didn't under, really understand what a microbrewery was they were thinking it was more of a bar mm-hmm. And they just didn't want to have that down there. So when it got tabled and it wasn't passed at the uh, planning and zoning for the parish, that's when we were kind of like, oh, man, you know, this is never going to happen. Because we're already, at this point, we're probably two years in at least. We have just spent the last six months really trying to lock down this land. I mean, we've done it. We did everything testing the soil and making sure everything was good wow. i mean we were we, were, we had already invested some a lot of money into it mm-hmm. uh, uh, thousands yeah. into that one spot into that yeah. one spot yeah we, but, we, i mean we had architect plans and the blueprints i mean everything was coming together for this spot and then uh what's funny about it is that location that building was only like 
would have never worked looking back 2,000 square feet maybe and we were going to add another 2,500 square feet so we would have had 5,000 just this tap room that you're in is 4,800 right so wow the whole brewery would have been in just in this one area we would have we would have literally been a small brew pub so to speak right but it would have been cool it would have been right on the Cane River uh you know we were very upset when we left out of that meeting when you know they turned us down mm-hmm. or didn't really turn us down but they tabled it you know to the next meeting mm-hmm. so we we just was like man this is never going to happen and then i think the mayor may have called and i've been in discussion with him about some other buildings in this in this area and that's kind of how the, the ball got started on getting to this location and i mean we wouldn't give this up for anything you know yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's a great it's location the building is you know fantastic and you could just go back in time some and just realize that when you think the dream's done it's not mm-hmm. even not even close to being done yeah mm-hmm. we had this location which was probably the best location we could have picked in Natchitoches just mm-hmm. as far as size and parking mm-hmm. right and just structure atmosphere mm-hmm. you know, the whole look yeah because it's not just the brewery now it's a great event space yeah. I mean right. people host Absolutely. all manner of things here now right and it's right. the hot spot to do that yeah just the sheer size of it and mm-hmm. honestly you wouldn't be able to find that in an existing building in Natchitoches now nope. you know mm-hmm. that that's just not going to happen <clears throat> uh, so so from conception of realizing that this was going to be your spot how long did it take to make renovations happen and get everything ready to go so you could have your opening day which was so, a year ago two years ago uh, yeah it's been over a year now okay. so I guess when we first said hey this is going to be our building we looked at it Mm-hmm. And then we had to come with an agreement with the city. Mm-hmm. and Architectural drawings. Yeah, we had to do drawings. So this is before we have to do the planning and zoning for the city for this as well. So mm-hmm. uh, from us laying eyes on the building, saying this is what we want to do from the city to getting it passed through planning and zoning, I was a little over a year, right at a year. And then once all that passed, we started construction. Funding. Yeah, we had yeah we had to raise the funding. That was uh, at least a year. But we were doing that in the process. Yeah. We were already raising funding for the previous location. Mm-hmm. So we already had, uh, I wouldn't say half of the investment already secured, but it was pretty close to the initial. Uh, it was easier, raising. though, once they saw this place. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it, it was kind of a double-edged sword, too, because when you walked into this building before construction, it was yeah. it was just a rust bucket. I mean, it was just... Yeah, I never saw it before. It looked, oh, it was... I'll, I'll it show was, you some pictures. That are, okay. It was just... Mm-hmm. It was a mess. You know, it really was. So people were walking in like, uh, I don't know if I want to put my money into this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's hard for sometimes for people to see that vision of, hey, this is what I want to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you could tell the... Mm-hmm. The investors that had the vision or they could see it and mm-hmm. if you if you have any kind of vision you walk in even with it being rusted you know that it's going to be remodeled mm-hmm. you can tell that it's got adequate space it's got room for production uh, mm-hmm. room for events to be hosted in here and you just got to have that vision and I think just glad that we were able to get the investors that had the vision that we had yeah. so you know before you open the doors were there any big moments of like oh my god this is really happening did you ever like? Were you afraid that it wasn't actually going to come to fruition right before? Or no, I, th- I think pretty the, much. The aha moment was when the equipment started uh, arriving. Like I think <laughs> we were already in. We were already halfway done with the back. And y'all were just like over the moon excited on a high. Like we yeah. made this happen. So the equipment 
takes, you know, almost nine months from mm-hmm. once you purchase it to get delivered here. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so, I mean, it's a, a lengthy mm-hmm. process. So, we actually bought the equipment before we even started construction on yeah. the building. So, that's you know, But yeah. I think that's when, I remember, <laughs> I remember we looked at each other one time when we had purchased the equipment. I said, I guess we're going to have a brewery <laughs> Yeah, that was <laughs> kind of It's going to happen now. Yeah. <laughs> but you still, even during the construction and, you know, us working here every day, mm-hmm. you know, doing hands-on stuff with the construction, you still never had that. You just felt like you're in build mode the entire time. You're not in brewery mode. And so I guess the real big moment was when 18 wheelers started pulling in with the, the tanks and stuff like that. We're like, oh, wow. Yeah. We, we have a brewery now, you know. Mm-hmm. So now we have to shift our focus from construction to brewery mode, you know. Mm-hmm. So we had to flip that. And so we're building a brewery in the back at the same time you're building the tap room, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, it was a really cool process to build a brewery, you know, while the tap room is still being finished. So... That was a really cool moment. Is it different than what y'all thought it was going to be like owning and operating this brewery? I think one of the biggest things for us when we started this, you know, when we started thinking about this, there was a handful of breweries. Mm -hmm. There was five or six breweries. Throughout the state. Throughout the entire state. You know, Louisiana ranked last in the entire union when it comes to craft breweries per capita. Interesting. I didn't know that. We were absolutely dead last. And we still are, actually. We're still actually dead last. That's in Mississippi. There was five or six breweries in the entire state. So when we started this, we said, well, wow, we have a really big opportunity mm-hmm. to get into the craft beer business. You know, no competition. Uh, there's hardly any competition. Right. There's hardly any breweries, you know, north of I-10. Right. I think Great Raft was probably open around the same time. Uh, so we thought we had a very unique opportunity to get in and get into the distribution. And that was one of the main selling points to the investors was the distribu- distribution aspect of a product. You know, you're not just selling it in Natchitoches. We can literally sell it anywhere that we want to. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that you don't have to rely just on the local economy of your hometown. You can, you can branch out and be all over the place. So that was a really big selling point. We said, hey, look, we can mass produce this stuff and then we can, you know, branch out. So day-to-day, though, you guys do so much, I'm sure, from marketing to financial stuff to testing out brews. I mean, what's a day in the life of a brewmaster and brew owner? Well, it's, it's that part is what a lot of people don't quite understand. They think we just come into work and drink beer. Like, honestly, a lot of our right. friends or just customers like, man, I wish I owned a brewery. I bet it's the mm-hmm. easiest job ever. Uh-huh. Was there's so much that goes behind it. There's mm-hmm. some... In, planning mm-hmm. planning beers um, ordering mm-hmm. uh, getting all your supplies ingredients mm-hmm. uh, seems pretty easy but it's really not because it's uh, you got to start kind of at the finished product and work your way back when you have a whole bunch of ideas and it's, there's not many of us you know it's just me and Justin so yeah well, and then Brooks obviously he he's the you know the guy behind the beer our master brewer but that being said, you know, it's a lot harder. You have a tap room, so you have a business in the with a tap room. So you have to run that, but you also have hundreds of other businesses outside in the state. So uh, for instance, like walk-ons in Shreveport, that's our business too, because they carry our beer. So we constantly have to check in on that account to make sure that account stays there. Because, you know, once that draft handle, tap handle goes off, 
there's some other new guy that's going to be put back on there and it's going to be very hard to get that tap back. So you're constantly on the road, you're constantly making sure that those accounts are happy, getting new accounts. So it's literally like having hundreds of businesses under one big business. You know, you have a production business where you, you make the beer, you have a tap room where you sell it, you know, to the customers face to face, and then you have your outside, you know, market as well. So it's really a lot of businesses under, you know, under one. Do y'all distribute outside of the state? Not currently. Okay. We have plans too. Uh, Right now we're just focused on getting in, covering the whole state. Yeah. And right now our distribution footprint is pretty much the I-49 corridor from north to south. So everywhere, northwest part of the state, southwest part of the state, and we just launched into Lafayette. Uh, that's that's our distribution footprint, and that covers three different distributors, which that's another thing a lot of, you know, your, your normal person doesn't realize, you know, once the beer leaves out of here, the process that it goes through. I mean, it has to go through another distributor. They are actually the ones that are actually going to go put it on the shelf. It's not like I can just walk out of here and go bring my beer to Maggio's or to Super One. It's got to go to a, another distributor, and then they have to go put it on the shelf. You know? So... Uh, that's a lot of thing misconception. A lot of people always uh, get upset about maybe a price point of a beer outside of our tap. Like that has nothing to do with us. You know, right. that's 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 it's already been passed by two different hands by the time it actually gets to the consumer on the retail end of it. I didn't realize the supply chain was so big for a brewery. You could go through different distributors too. Mm-hmm. If, I, if we sold down south, it it might take one distributor to bring it down south to another distributor. Oh, wow. So it's changed hands twice. That's mm-hmm. that's the tricky part. When you pick a distributor, you're basically putting your livelihood in their hands to take care of that's you. That's scary, I'm sure. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's out of your control, but not only are you doing that, you have to pick the right one, and then you also have to pick the, the right one for the next city. So there's two main distributors. There's a Budweiser house and there's a Miller Coors house. So we're with the Budweiser house, the Anheuser-Busch, so let's just say, let's take Lake Charles, for instance. The beer will be picked up here. It'll go to Alexandria. It'll go to Lake Charles. Mm-hmm. That's one territory. So let's say Lafayette wants some beer. They can go back and forth from Lake Charles to Lafayette and so on to Baton Rouge, New Orleans. But they all have to be operating under the same uh, Anheuser-Busch. Right. Yeah, they're not going to see an Anheuser-Busch and a Miller mix and matching. So, you know, if we want to get to New Orleans, we have to do it all the way through Anheuser-Busch. You know, mm-hmm. Miller Coors, if we just happen to pick the best distributors, let's just say they're the best distributor in New Orleans, well, there's no way they can get that product because they're not going to come from New Orleans all the way to Natchitoches to come up pick a truckload of beer. They're just not, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it all has to be a supply, you know, chain of logistics of, you know, matching those right distributors with the right territories, you know, down the line. That sounds like a lot of work, you guys. <laughs> Do you yeah, feel like the, you live here? Like yeah, most of the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah we do. Yeah, most of the like... time. Because you got to realize, you know, we'll get here in the morning, we'll put in a full day, whether it's brewing, canning, kegging, mm-hmm. cleaning, cleaning uh, paper, yeah, paper, paperwork, yeah, whatever it is, clean, yeah. then you open up that night, mm-hmm. you know, so you that's that's, that's a whole other, you know, it's another yeah, all in our six, seven hours. Mm-hmm that you just put in a work day to go into another work day or, you know, doing the same out on the road, you know, you come in, work all morning, doing whatever it is, especially when there's just three of us here. And then, you know, you got to go do the same thing in another, another town somewhere, you know, two hours from here. Mm-hmm. And so you, you could literally put in a three different jobs. Feels like three different jobs just in one day. You know, oh, yeah, Justin could come in, we can like we can this morning. 
Uh, we counted 100 cases of, of Pilsner this morning. Uh, came in at eight this morning, finished it right at around noon, and then now we're you know we're jumping into the book the book book sides of it mm-hmm. today, and then we'll I mean, we'll be opening up here in about an hour. So I mean it's just mm-hmm. a it's a constant. You know, you know, tomorrow you'll be right back outside sales. You'd be, you could be in Shreveport, you could be in Alexandria. Right. But what's cool about this is that neither one of you guys seem like burnt out. You both can tell, like you get still a twinkle in your eye when you're talking about this. You're still really excited about it, and that's neat. I think you know, one of the really cool things that makes this job really cool is like when we go to those out of towns and we go to those new launch parties, and we introduce a new beer mm-hmm. from Natchitoches. And they're like, oh, wow, I really enjoy that. And that's just that gratifying satisfaction, I guess, that you get. And then, you know, that just kind of helps put the tap room on the map, helps bring people to Natchitoches. Like, it's just a really cool thing whenever you're able to go to another town and, you know, share something that you're very proud of and then they enjoy it, you know. That's it's really cool. Or you see someone right on Facebook. Yeah. Or you're in a restaurant randomly and you look up and you see your tap handle on yeah, yeah. And you, you, or you're in the grocery store yeah, and you see people store. getting that six pack up right, right ahead of you getting the beer and you, you're just standing there randomly they don't know you from anybody <laughs> right you're, you're like that's my beer yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> that's cool that's that's a, that's a pretty cool feeling you know and y'all have experimented with a lot of different kinds of beers have y'all had anyone that was your particular favorite like if i put you on the spot because I kind of am, and ask you which one was your absolute favorite. I know Justin's favorite. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it's got to be the APA. Okay. APA is definitely my go-to. I just uh, It's just a smooth, easy-drinking beer that I just I love. I mean, I love all of them, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. if, you, if you see me in the tap room, if you see me around here, I'm more than likely drinking the APA for sure. Mm-hmm. I think mine's the brown ale. Okay. Yeah. okay. Both of y'all I, dark beers. Yeah. yeah, I got started on the brown, and I'm... I guess depending on the seasons, but this wintertime, that's usually my go-to, brown ale. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about what you guys have done with the tap room. Y'all have had so many different kinds of events here. And I think it's very cool that y'all have kept it like a family space, too. People have had you know kids here playing cornhole, doing giant Jenga, mm-hmm. while you've had concerts and all manner of things. And I just wonder, is that, was that like by design? Did y'all intend it to stay like family-friendly, or was it just something that happened naturally? Well, we definitely wanted to get away from the stigma of everybody thinking that it was this bar or this nightclub. Because a lot of people, when we first opened, didn't understand really what a brewery was. You know, mm-hmm. they thought it was this, you know place you just go and get drunk and loud music and this and that so uh we knew that that's not what it what it was but we needed to you know show people you know this is this is like tasting room this is a very family friendly place you know we want to do things for the community we want to you know we want to get back doing different stuff so uh and there's so many activities to do just in this tap room uh if you're not a beer drinker that's fine we make uh, a cream soda and a root beer very popular uh, not only can kids have them adults can have them so if you're not a beer drinker you can come in uh, you can come in and get water if you'd like we want to create a place where the community can gather mm-hmm. so uh, if you want to come in do your homework school work uh, real work and it's peaceful in here you got wi-fi and mm-hmm. tvs that's probably one of the biggest questions we get in December especially with the tourist crowd is if you know we are kid friendly family friendly because you know they're they're taking the kids and the young you know to the lights to come see them so it just makes sense you know for us to be family friendly and have kids activities and stuff parents can come have a beer if they would like and the kids can you know go play games 
So tell me a little bit how you got started with your tagline, No Wake Zone. Well, I mean, Cane River Brewing was the you know the, initial, the official name of uh, what we wanted to call the brewery, mm-hmm. and then we wanted to relate it to something like who me and Cade were, mm-hmm. of kind of being how we wanted to approach the business. And you know we're very laid back, very you know easygoing, you know just you know go with the flow, and that's kind of where the no wake zone came. You know we kind of incorporated. You know, taking it easy on the river. Which matches life in Natchitoches yeah. perfectly. It's right. Kind of, you exactly. know, it's a smaller town, but we've, the river's so much of a part of everything that happens in Natchitoches. And then Cane River is such a powerful, uh, I guess, name in Louisiana as far as recreation mm-hmm. or fishing or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, when people see my shirt and it says Cane River, they're like, oh, Natchitoches, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's a really cool uh, deal as well, is uh, just the, the brand awareness just of the name Cane River itself. I think we're gonna wrap up here pretty quick because we've had a really good discussion but i want to ask you guys before we completely finish do you guys have anything coming down the pipeline that you want to tell us about we got a couple things up our sleeve uh yeah we definitely do we we have something that we're uh we've been talking about probably for the last year and a half and we actually brewed it this week and it's uh we're hoping that this is going to be our next big thing uh it's, it's people have been asking for it we've been wanting to do it it's not a whole lot not a whole lot of other craft breweries are doing it so uh, be on the lookout probably within the next month month and a half we'll probably be uh, hopefully making some noise and releasing it and making a making a big splash with it I'm excited also, now yeah. <laughs> also got the peach coming back in April the peach ale Good, <clears throat> it's yes. a big hit so we're have to wait on the seasons, peach season to come back. So uh, we're going to come out a little bit earlier than last year. Last year we came out in July, I believe, mm-hmm. kind of at the end of peach season. So mm-hmm. this year we're going to come come a little bit earlier so people can drink it all the way through the spring and summer. Awesome. Yeah, peach is one of my favorites. So. Yeah, it's, it was definitely the biggest uh, <clears throat> splash we could have made. in the, the beer festivals and the distribution, they just love the peach beer. That's a bore out on the other cities and they see Cane River the first thing they always say is peach beer when's a peach beer coming back so that's always it's pretty cool well thank you guys for coming on chamber chat being my second set of guests (laughs) really appreciate it well thank you for having us yeah anytime thank you we should just sit here at night and just like pounded beers and talked yeah I mean, we can always do that too, part two. Yeah, uh, that would be a good one. Then you would, <laughs> you'd have all kind of that'd good stuff. That'd be a real stuff. podcast. <laughs> Dude, that'd be a good one. And that's all that we have for you today, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the second episode of Chamber Chat. If you haven't already, visit NacketishChamber.com to learn more on how you can share your story on Chamber Chat and give us a subscribe and a review on Chamber Chat with Mags on Apple Podcasts.